You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead the Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review a Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and I'm also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by Brandon Hiltabottle, who's the Director of Adult Ministry at LifeWay, and we're going to be looking at Session 11 in our study of Luke, Chapters 10 through 24. Brandon, thank you for being with us today. Excited to be back. Thank you. Uh, like I said, we're going to be looking at Session 11. We're going to be looking at Luke, Chapter 23, Verses 33 through 46, which is the actual crucifixion of Jesus. And in the middle of that is a conversation uh, that Jesus has with the criminal, with one of the criminals that's uh, hanging with him on the cross. Uh, but ver verses 33 through 34, we've entitled that in our outline, Focused. And in those verses, uh, we find Jesus being crucified along with two criminals. From the cross, Jesus called to the Father to forgive the people present since they did not understand what they were doing. We should make, make note here that Jesus was focusing on the purpose of providing for the forgiveness of sin while he is there on the cross. The main idea in this passage that we're focusing on is that Jesus's purpose of providing forgiveness of sin must remain central. In verses 35 through 39, we see Jesus still on the cross, but we see the crowd, the religious leaders, and soldiers mocking him. Eventually, one of the criminals joined in on the mocking as well. We've entitled these verses, verses 35 through 39, Mocked. And the point here is that Jesus is the Christ, regardless of what others may say. In verses 40 through 43, the other criminal challenged the, the first criminal who had mocked Jesus, reminding that first criminal that their punishment was justified, while Jesus' punishment was not. He called for Jesus to remember him once in his kingdom. Jesus promised that criminal that he would accompany him into paradise on that day. The main point here is that Jesus can be trusted as the way to the Father, which the, the title of that point in our outline is trusted. In verses 44 through 46, we find three hours of darkness from noon to three o'clock. The curtain in the sanctuary splits as Jesus entrusted his spirit into the hands of the Father. With one final statement, Jesus then died. We've entitled this, these passages, verses 44 through 46, Sacrificed. And the point is that Jesus' death removes the barrier between the holy God and sinful humanity. Brandon, in, this is an ugly scene. Uh -huh. This is an ugly part of the gospel. How do we present hope in the middle of teaching the darkest and ugliest part of all of Luke's gospel? Yeah, you're right for sure. I thought this was a great question because we can get lost in our sadness if we're really following the scene here. But what came to my mind initially when I read the question was that we've already been doing it throughout this study. Um, we've already been presenting the hope that we can call back on here. I, I wrote down three things. Um, one, this was... This scene, as ugly as it is, isn't an accident. It was planned. This was a planned circumstance. 
and we can we can we can now look back on uh, session nine. I think it is uh, Jesus. He prays that the cup might pass, and then he submitted to the will of the Father. So this scene is ugly, but Jesus knew it was coming, and it was the will of the Father. And we even referenced this in the personal study guide on page 102 that we say that we're just reminding everyone that this scene was prophesied in Isaiah 53. So that's the that's the first place that there's hope is this is a part of the plan. This this is not uh, an empty accident. This is part of the plan. And then the second thing I wrote down, this wasn't the end. We've also already studied Luke 24 in session five. And uh, Jesus entrusted his spirit to the father here in this chapter, but he's going to get it back and he's going to rise again and he's going to live forever. So it's interesting when we ask a question about the hopelessness of this passage in this uh, time through this text, you know, we've already hit the, uh, the resurrection because of Easter. And then the last thing I wrote down, well, that maybe was the most encouraging to me and maybe the most important and maybe where where even more hope lies is that this wasn't senseless. We talk a lot about senseless acts of violence and this is about as opposite of that as anything could be. Uh, this, this ugly scene, potentially hopeless scene wasn't just planned, it was purposeful. And uh, we just need to remind ourselves as you're teaching this reminder people, we needed this to happen. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This was the most purposeful thing that's ever happened to us and the most important thing that's ever happened to us. So I think when you look at the stuff that we've already looked at or the stuff that we know that is coming, there's a lot of hope even as we deal with the ugliness and the pain of this moment. So the three things you have here are planned, not the yeah. end, and purposeful. Yeah. It's not an accident, not the end, and not senseless. But yeah, that's the other way to say it. Yeah. Okay. Good. When I when I see this story, I see, you know, Luke bringing up the criminals here. What was the significance of him giving attention to these criminals, uh, who are who are also being crucified at this point in history? Yeah. The there's probably a lot of a lot of a significance. If I were teaching this session. I would want to point out the criminals as an illustration of what's happening on the cross in real time. Like they're a illustration in the story of, of the point of the story. So one of the criminals mocks Christ and the other criminal trusts Christ. So even this is so incredible, really, even while Jesus is securing the salvation of humankind, we see two humans processing his work even while they suffer in the same way. They're processing what he's doing while he's doing it. And this, you know, I, th I think this immediately makes us participate in the scene. And, you know, Dwayne, you were saying before we started recording, this was also a way for uh, Luke to bring Theophilus, his reader, into the scene. Like, if these criminals can be saved, then someone who is wrong like Theophilus or a Gentile like Theophilus uh, could also be a beneficiary of the work that Jesus was displaying. But it, it, it pulls us in. It pulls the reader in. Do we mock or do we repent? I highlighted a, a paragraph on page 118 of the leader guide that I liked a lot. Uh, it said the criminals, so this is the second criminal, the criminal's appeal reflects genuine repentance and faith. He pleaded, Jesus, remember, Jesus, remember me. 
what an extraordinary statement, because how could a man who was about to die remember someone? This appeal would be insane, except for the man's confident faith that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and could overcome death. So, you know, the criminal, he pulled us in the story because we are guilty. Um, like the criminals, we deserve death. But instead, we find through Jesus that we can have life forever as the second criminal, as the second criminal did. Yeah, one of the themes in Luke is the, the idea of urgency of commitment. If you think about the criminal here, there is no greater urgency than this guy's facing at this point. I mean, yeah. death is imminent. The urgency of him making uh, that decision is staring him in the face, both of them. And I can't uh, help but think that Theophilus understood, would have understood, as he read uh, Luke's account, that urgency being framed in a completely different way uh, as those two guys sitting there knowing that they're going to die that day. Sure. Uh, that, to me, is a phenomenal part of this story. That's good. Uh, uh, let, let me ask this, this one more question here. How can we help our group get a clear understanding of the doctrine of substitutionary atonement? That's a big, big part of this, this yeah. story here, that Jesus died in our place. You already mentioned Isaiah 53. You think about reading through Isaiah 53 and how the main point there is that he died for us, taking our stripes, taking our punishment, uh, all those kinds of images that are used in Isaiah 53. How can we help our group get a clearer picture of the doctrine of substitutionary atonement? So this is an important question, but I find it to be, I find it to be a hard question. Maybe you can help me some because I, I found myself in, in thinking through this question hung up on the fact that I don't know anybody perfect and how hard that makes it for me to have a real deep understanding and appreciation of substitutionary atonement as it relates to to Christ in our place uh, because all the examples that I can think of or all the examples that we've seen in real life or in the stories that we love are uh, one imperfect person substituting for another imperfect person I thought of uh, I think it's Duncan in the last of the Mohicans. That's a famous example yeah, where yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he offers himself up to be burned at the stake. It's insane. Or uh, unfortunately, maybe the most famous one is Katniss in uh, the Hunger Games. That's that <laughs> one I thought of. And they do. They, 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 they put themselves in the place of the other. In one case, in Duncan's case, it's literally a sacrificial death the, the penalty that's being demanded is being paid with his life and not, I forget the name of the woman he loves. But in both of those cases and probably many others, you may not even like those people. And then you come over to the gospel and Jesus not only does that for, for people who don't deserve it, but he does it as holy, holy, holy. You know, he does it as uh, he sits in unapproachable light. And then all of a sudden, here he is uh, dying in our place. So that may be what I would do. I don't, I don't know if that leads to a clear understanding, but pointing that out, I think, does deepen our appreciation. Because as absurd as it is, what is it? Is it Romans 5? For a good man, someone might dare even to die, but while yeah. we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, man, it's, it's, a perfect, it's perfection in the place of absolute imperfection. So I don't know if that gets us any closer to clear understanding, but maybe well, the, the passage at the first part of this 
of this particular passage uh, where Jesus um, calls on the Father to forgive the people present because they don't understand what they're doing. So he's dying on the cross, the perfect lamb, he, no yeah. spot whatsoever. And he turns to the Father and asks him to forgive the people who are unknowingly killing the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah. That tells me more about probably, or probably tells me more about substitutionary atonement than anything else in this passage where he's taking the punishment for those who he want, uh, he's offering to forgive. But those who he's offering that forgiveness to are the very ones who put him on that tree. That's right. Um, And so there's the contrast there of our sinfulness versus his perfection. I think deep down, all of us know we're not capable of being perfect. Even the most arrogant person in the world, whoever that is, that'd be an interesting contest to have to see the most (laughs) arrogant person in the world is. They deep down inside know they're not as perfect as they think they are. I think deep down at night, they have that idea. Jesus didn't even have that as a second thought. He knew he was perfect. There wasn't even a question about it, but yet he wasn't arrogant about it, nor was he unwilling to die in our place so that we could have that kind of perfection because there's no other way we could have it. Um, to, to me, that, that passage gives insight into the rest of the idea of substitutionary atonement where he asked for them to uh, ask the Father to forgive those folks who are sitting there putting him on the tree. One thing I want to point out to folks uh, in the pack, in the leader pack, it's pack item one. It's also the map on the inside back cover of the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, and on the leader guide. And uh, it's a it's an illustration or it's a drawing, a map of Jerusalem, and you can see the different places that were involved in the crucifixion. There's uh, Golgotha is identified on the map, and you can tell where it is in relation to the rest of the city. That might be one way that you can share that, use that to introduce this lesson so that people in the group have historical perspective on what's going on, uh, or geographic perspective of what's going on to help them get a little bit of an appreciation of where um, Jesus is being crucified and the entrance into the city. It's a very public place. It's where people came in and out, and they walked through there, and they saw him. And that's part of the humiliation of this. Uh, Brandon, any other key insights you would share about this particular passage? I think I got them all in. Well, I appreciate you visiting with us today. You know, from time to time, we mention different resources in Explore the Bible Family. Like today, we mentioned the leader pack, but we may also mention the adult commentary, quick source, other, other resources we may mention. Just want to remind our listeners out there, you can find more about all of the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebible.com, no spaces. Thank you for listening this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week. We'll be looking at session 12, where Jesus is going to be talking to two men on the, right, on the road to Emmaus, and in that process, they're going to understand the truth of who Christ is and about his forgiveness. And his forgiveness.